Welcome to Teach Me Sentai, a podcast where we're taking a look back at the Power Rangers and the Japanese series that gave it its inspiration and footage, Super Sentai. I'm Natalie Bridgman. And I'm John McDonough. <laughs> and I almost forgot to do that, but John reminded me. Episode 10, we're really locking in on the format. I think if people saw the like unedited way we record the intros to this podcast... It's not. It's always chaotic. It's always the most moving things around in the edit. <laughs> it really is. But like when we get to the like the meat of the episode, like we're good. We know what we're, we're doing. Very professional. It's like every single time we're starting, that's for like, wait, what are we doing? <laughs> so in any case, we are starting a very important part of Power Rangers this week. We are starting our Green Ranger section. Green with evil. Ever since we started the podcast, I've been very excited to get here. Part two of our five-part Green Ranger saga, but this is parts one, two, and three of the Power Rangers five-part Green Ranger saga. This is arguably the most iconic section of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers to exist. And I think most fascinating to me is the the way I remember this is so different than how it plays out. And I really can't wait to talk about it. It's episode 17, 18, and 19 of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, if you're looking for it specifically. Green with Evil, they all have the same name. And you can watch on Netflix in the US. While we're here and we're talking about us and how unprofessional we are, just a reminder, you can also support us on Patreon if you feel so inclined to do so. Patreon.com slash Teach Me Sentai. You don't have to do it, but maybe it would be good. I don't know. Hey, John, so what happened last week on Power Rangers? Um, Power Rangers has been really set in its uh, episode of the week in the formula, in the churning out the, the content for better or for worse. We've been in a bit of a lag with Power Rangers of, I think, waiting for something new to happen, which is, of course, going to happen here. But what you do need to know is that there are five teenagers with attitude who are empowered by Zordon, a head in a tube, to fight against Rita Repulsa and her evil ways. And they've been doing so pretty successfully up to this point. They've been hitting their stride, for better or worse, and it's been fine, but we're ready for something new. Yes, and another shockingly relevant previously on, Billy invented this magic flying car? Yes. <laughs> called the Radbug, and you need to know that for these episodes. He did do that, and I thought that was going to be a one-off thing, but surprise, it's not. Uh, I think it's time for us uh, to get into it. Radbug yeah. part one, green with evil. So let's just go into the synopses, and then we'll see you on the flip. Great, I'm excited. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Season 1, Episode 17, Green with Evil, Part 1. It's the Angel Grove Martial Arts Expo. Jason is nervous about facing off against a mysterious new kid who seems pretty skilled. Rita watches on from the moon and decides he'd be a great Green Ranger. That would be the perfect way to destroy the team. Jason and New Guy's match ends in a draw and Kimberly is crushing hard. The next day at school, Bulk and Skull mess with Kim, but the new kid defends her by threatening to beat the shit out of them. He finally introduces himself. It's Tommy. She invites him to hang with the gang after school, but Rita isn't going to allow that. She summons forth the evil sixth power coin and repairs a test for Tommy. Putties attack him in an alley, but he fends them off. He passed the test. Rita shows up and traps Tommy in her crystal ball. She gives him the power of the Green Ranger, which also makes him subservient to her. Now that Tommy is a ranger, he can enter the command center. Rita sends him there to take out Zordon before fighting the rangers. Meanwhile, Zordon is trying to get Alpha to take a nap with him, or rather, power down so Zordon can meditate. Tommy swoops in and slides a corrupting CD-ROM into Alpha. Zordon tries to reason with him and tell him he's under a spell, but Tommy won't listen and destroys the computers that keep Zordon in his tube. Rita sends down a giant Goldar to lure out the rangers. The fellows are cleaning the rad bug when the ladies show up. Kimberly is bummed because Tommy bailed on their hangout at the youth center. Alpha manages to make broken contact with the team. With no other option, they take the rad bug to the command center and discover what the Green Ranger has done. They realize Alpha has a virus, but Billy fixes it by pulling the CD-ROM out. Thank God he's so good with computers. Alpha can't remember what happened. 
The team spot Goldar in the viewing globe and morph to go after him. They fight some putties before calling on the Dinozords. They form the Megazord and fight Goldar, but he suddenly disappears. Just as suddenly, the Green Ranger leaps into the Megazord cockpit. The Green Ranger throws them all out and beats them up. Our heroes are totally outmatched. The Rangers teleport themselves to the safety of the command center. They need answers, but Zordon is still gone, and Alpha has to power down to finish his recovery. The Green Ranger tots them through the viewing globe. One thing is for certain, this is going to be the hardest battle yet. To be continued. Episode 18, Green with Evil, Part 2. Billy gets a little more hands-on with all the circuitry and brings him back to functioning, but that only solves one of the ranger's problems. Rita decides to give her green ranger the Sword of Darkness, which will power him up and keep him under her control. Of course, Zordon knows that destroying the sword would free Tommy from Rita's control, but he's out of commission, so no big deal. Tommy goes back to Earth to hide out and await further instructions. Bulk and Skull happen upon him and try to start something, but Tommy uses dark magic to throw them in a dumpster. Jason is obsessed with the Green Ranger. Is it a crush? You decide. He's troubled that the Ranger looks just like them, but Zordon has never mentioned him, which is fair. Then he and Zack wonder if the Green Ranger totaled the command center is working for Rita, and that's so obvious, I don't know why it's a question. Meanwhile, Billy and Alpha have determined the problem. The main generator is offline. They can repair it, but it's going to take time. Kimberly checks in with Tommy after he's missed their kind of date, and he's a huge asshole. Kimberly takes it personally, blames herself, the usual. Rita summons Tommy for yet another test. He has to use his skills and no weapons to defeat the putties. If he succeeds, he can claim the Sword of Darkness. He does, almost like he just beat up a group of putties last episode. Jason goes looking for Tommy to apologize. He has to skip out on a workout. Tommy waits until Jason's back is turned and traps him inside the dark dimension with his power coin. Goldar is there, and he's stolen Jason's morpher. Jason tries to take it back, but he's no match for Goldar. Zack and Kimberly are waiting for Jason, and when he doesn't show up, they decide to proceed to the command center of the Radbug. Along the way, Zack tries to comfort Kim, and urges her to put aside her boy trouble for now. Billy has most of the command center's functions back online, including the viewing globe, which shows the Green Ranger waiting for the team, but still no Zordon. Zack wants to head into battle. They would all feel better if Jason were there, but there's no time to lose. The Rangers are no match for their green foe. They bring out the dinosaurs for support, including somehow the Tyrannosaurus and form the Megazord. They successfully turn the tide of battle and the Green Ranger flees. Alpha keeps trying to return Zordon to the command center, but it's not going well. The team desperately needs him and Jason. In the Dark Dimension, Goldar chaotically taunts Jason. He's finally done toying with the leader of the Power Rangers and prepares to finish the job. To be continued. <laughs> Episode 19, Green with Evil, Part 3. Goldar swings his sword on a prone Jason, who dodges at the last second. Jason hides himself in the fog of the Dark Dimension, safe for now. Jason decides it's time to act. Instead of utilizing the element of surprise, he jumps up, yells, and starts doing karate on Goldar. Shockingly, Goldar still has the upper hand. Rita decides it's time for her good Judy Scorpina. At the command center, the team is still trying to restore Zordon. Kimberly tries looking for Jason at the juice bar. Bulk and Skull offer to help in exchange for kisses, so Kim tricks Skull into kissing Bulk on the cheek. It's funny because of toxic masculinity. She runs into Tommy, who lies and says Jason never showed up for their workout. He also taunts her because he's so evil. Zack knows for a fact Jason went to meet Tommy, so they decide to confront him with his lie. Rita sends putties to prevent said confrontation. By the time they've won the fight, Tommy is gone, but Kimberly noticed the putties didn't even try to attack him. Goldar is, once again, ready to kill Jason when Green Ranger shows up. Rita has decided he is the one who has to kill the Red Ranger. Jason fights Green Ranger with karate and tries to appeal to him to join Zordon's side, but neither tactic is going well. Billy manages to get a lock on Jason's location and teleport into safety just as the Green Ranger goes in for the killing blow. That's three last-minute saves in one episode for old Jason. The Rangers prove they are incredibly bad critical thinkers when Jason recounts the story. Tommy sure is suspicious and is lying, and Jason was right next to him when he was teleported away, but... Nah, can't mean anything. Goldar puts the Green Ranger in timeout for letting Jason escape, and Scorpina launches an attack. The Rangers morph and head into action. Scorpina is doing just fine, but Goldar becomes worried she's outnumbered, so she's unceremoniously called back to the moon. Rita considers sending the Green Ranger to continue the fight, but chooses Goldar instead, and she's going to cause an eclipse to cut the Megazord's solar power. Green Ranger is antsy and wants another chance too, which Rita promises he'll get. 
Back at the command center, the rangers finally discover logic. They realize Rita keeps bailing on fights and figures out that she must be planning something bigger. And soon their fears are confirmed when Rita sends down a giant Goldar to rage in downtown Angel Grove. Billy thinks it's a trap, but the rangers have to protect the city. To be continued. Green with evil. Here we are. This is it. We're in it now. We're doing Green Ranger stuff. It's true. There is a real epic scale to these three episodes, despite the fact that many of the individual scenes aren't particularly epic. It Like immediately, like the minute the episode started, I was like, this feels different. It does. It's strange how they pull that off. I think one of the like, great tricks of Green with Evil at this point is that like, I remember it being this like iconically huge moment. I'm sure you remember Mm. it being this iconically huge moment. I know you're going to talk to us next week about how, or next episode about how it was an iconically huge moment. But like listening to the synopses, not much is happening. (laughs) There's a lot of like same beats over and over. Like let's fight putties to prove yourself. Let's do it again. And this time you'll get a sword. Like do we we get sword on back? Nope. We didn't get sword on back. Did we get sword on back this time? Still no. Right, and and also, and like this didn't come through in the synopses, but they do continually try to use their communicators when they're broken, just like constantly. And it's like, they're still broken. Yeah, it was so many times and it was so purposeless that I just left it out. (laughs) No, I totally get why, but like they literally are constant. Like the communicators don't function after Zordon is not available anymore. And they're just like, oh, I guess we could keep trying to use these. And it's like, I think Billy will let you know when they function again. Like he'll let you know. And yet- Despite all of that, it really does feel intense and big and like a paradigm shift and all those things we wanted it to be. And I think this was the first time, like, this isn't the first time I've rewatched this section of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I did this about five years ago, I think I rewatched these. Um, Similar for me. Yeah. So I definitely watched them as an adult, like post film school. <laughs> so like I was fully in my critical brain. But I do think this is the first time I realized that a lot of that comes from Jason David Frank. He's giving a performance. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say he's like the best actor, right? Absolutely but he, I feel would like, not say that. But he like, I feel like understands the tone they're going for very well. A challenge I'm setting for myself for today's episode, because in two okay. weeks or in three episodes, whenever our last Green Ranger episode, we'll only be talking about the last two parts of Green with Evil. And we're going to spend a, a large chunk of that episode talking about Barai Saga versus Green with Evil. Yeah. So I want to avoid trying to make constant comparisons to the Ranger because I do think this set of episodes suffers in comparison. But mm-hmm. when you take it on its own, there really is a lot to like here. Oh, yeah, there is. I mean, you got that you got that mysterious factor of like, why is there a new person? You got like really high stakes for, in a way that we haven't had before. They're like relying on each other and they're not just going to mm-hmm. run for answers because they can't. I think with the unfortunate exception of Trini, it really also feels that each of the team has like a role in this saga. That's really interesting, especially Zach, who has never occupied that role and I think has found a very yeah. interesting lane that I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, and I will say, like, Trini is, I was paying attention to her because she wasn't really doing a whole lot, but what she is doing is, like, she's, like, very broken up about the prospect of Zordon not being with us anymore. She's the grief here, like, the the fear and the grief, which, of course, is notably turned down for a children's program. Yes, yes, but is an interesting perspective for her. Should we dive into the individual episodes? Yes, let's do it. Okay, so Green with Evil Part 1. The the most chaotic thing about this entire five-part monster to me is that it starts with zero <laughs> explanation of anything. Rita's just like, oh, I yeah. think I'm going to make a Green Ranger and I can do that. <laughs> and it's like, wait, wait, <laughs> how long have you been able to do this? Yes. How? What? Also, Why? <laughs> It's bizarre to me because it's also like in the same way, I know we don't want to do like a whole lot of comparisons to Zero Ranger, but in the same way that we're just like, wait, there's like a, another Green Ranger and you guys all know about it. Like Zordon also knows about this power coin mm-hmm. and he's like, oh yeah, that's her evil power coin. It's truly like when Jason brings up this is an episode ahead, like Zordon never mentioned this to us. I was like, you know what? I feel like this is something everyone should have been talking about more as a possibility. It shouldn't, like, this is Rita's trump card. Here it is. You guys should all be preparing for this moment. But nope. 
There's two really important fashion moments happening, though, in this opening scene where they do this martial arts expo. One is, I'm sure you loved, Tommy is in green from the second he shows up. Like, head to toe. Green, 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 green. Which is great. Second, and almost more important to me, the person judging their martial arts is in a full suit. That's normal. Have you been to a martial arts competition? No. Is that normal? (laughs) Well, at least it's normal, depending on where you go. Either they're in a gi themselves, which it's weird to me that neither of them were in gis, like in martial arts uniforms. Well, they had to be in their 90s 90s karate boy, streets of rage, player one, player two outfits. (laughs) Right, in the street fighter. I get it. So instead of them being in gis... I guess they chose the suit option because it would be weird for them not to be in geese and then the judge to be in a gi. So they're either in a suit at a competition. They're either in a suit or they're they're in a gi. And so I feel like that's pretty normal. I would say egg on my face, but I do want to say that that's dumb. <laughs> now, it has been about since the 90s since I've went to a karate, like a mm-hmm. martial arts competition. Um, mm-hmm. But so things may have changed, but that's kind of how it was then they do a really good job though in this scene of like bringing in tommy starting the mystery Mm -hmm. factor right away i think it was a really smart choice to have kim be crushing on him because i think it's like triggering to us like he's desirable not like in a sexual way he's a child but in like a like no we should be interested in him and they really clearly set out that like jason and tommy are equally matched which i think is important Mm-hmm. I think the bad version of this would have had Tommy beat him up in the first scene. Yeah, but they were very deliberate in being like, no, they're matching blow for blow. Like, everybody's getting a point. So it was cool. It, it's just like, I really like this opening sequence, with the exception of the Rita cutouts, where she's just like, oh, yeah, I should just make him a Green Ranger, which doesn't make any sense. Trini is like a very supportive friend about Kimberly's crush, which I love. Mm-hmm. Kimberly is a very supportive friend about Jason in the karate competition, which I love. It's interesting because it it does set the tone for the next chunk of episodes where it's like, these are a group of friends. Like, they have been hanging out a lot now. And so they're kind of, like, bonded. And it's weirdly one of the first times, to your point of, like, the second it starts, it feels like it's a different show. That, like, this feels like five individual people who have a friendship together in a way that, like, it has not, I think, even since episode one. Yes. Like, I don't know how they achieve it. Like, I really don't. But on, like, this very minute level... The minute this episode starts, I'm like, oh yeah, this is exactly what the pilot was like, but except better. Everything that's happened before this episode, it doesn't really matter. Like, you could watch the pilot of this series and then watch this episode, and it would be the most continuous experience, like, tonally. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I feel like we've been going back and forth as we go through these episodes. Like, why is this bad? And, like, why are we not learning about them as people in the way that we were before? None of that matters. But now that we're doing this five-parter it's like here this is the show again remember like these are the characters they're friends they have these different like characteristics Mm -hmm. like i don't know how they're doing it but they did it and i love it because they spend so much of this chunk of episodes unmorphed they are like allowed to be themselves in a way that like i feel like in many episodes they have to be whatever they need to be to match the footage Mm -hmm. or it's been kimberly because they know they can trust amy joe johnson to do some acting it it really felt like all five of them got to be the characters again which was really yeah quite exciting and like i like teen shit i like i'm having a competition for the thing I care about. I like I have a crush on the new boy. Like I I this stuff works for Power Rangers when they do it. It's fun to like see them as like having inner lives. Like the idea that Kimberly has a crush on this guy and like is kind of nervous to like ask him to hang out later. Like that it was so fun <laughs> to experience. Yes. We do move from there into something that I think is really a not fun choice, which is okay. Rita doing the spell. So in she Ranger, I remember exactly what this footage is. At the start of the episode, she is doing a like soothsaying spell to try to like mm-hmm. figure out how she can defy the Power Rangers. She discovers the kid who's Gnome's grandson in her crystal ball. It's it's very like fortune tellery. And it's like She's like talking to Satan. Yeah. yeah. This they've decided to take footage of Bandora speaking Japanese and dub it over with gibberish in a way that feels yeah. so gross to me yeah i don't want to say like (laughs) this is horrible it's just like definitely a choice Mm -hmm. it's definitely like 
no one will know that this isn't what this is. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, if we do this, no one will know because there's no possible way anybody who's watching this show knows anything about the Japanese version of the show that we're taking footage from. It's bizarre. Yeah. This is the episode where I really felt, because Rita is so much a part of the story, and there's another moment in this episode, too, where they need a Rita who's not Rita to cut into mm-hmm. American footage, and it's just, like, shrouded yeah. in darkness, clearly some different woman. like, And she's, like, not even emoting. The decision to ditch Rita for Zed, an American villain, or in subsequent seasons, including with Rita, that when the villain is someone with a human face recasting that person and having an Amer- I think is really important and like uh, at first yeah. I was like I'm gonna miss Machika Soka because she's so good because she is but like they just don't have what they need to make these scenes flow in a way with the rest of the episode and like almost every Rita scene even though I kind of like what this is doing for Rita as a character mm-hmm. feels so jumpy and disjointed and weird I thought it was interesting because I didn't know, remember I didn't know that they did that like archive of like um, asking the cast to like. Yeah, the Zhu 1.5 footage, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. And I noticed like in this chunk of episodes more than ever, like they were using those and it was just, it just felt really weird. It's such a, like, glass-shattering, like, I see the world different now. Like, I can't... This was true in our last episode where we talked about Power Rangers. I can't not see it now. Like, I see the shots and I'm like, I've seen it before. Or, like, I know exactly what that is. Or, like, even... And and especially Goldar, the thing that really we learned last episode... Because we didn't notice before then, or I didn't notice. Griffizar doesn't talk. And so, like, they have one shot of Goldar talking. And it's the same one. Yeah, I think it shows up, like... 16 to 20 times in this set of three episodes. Because Goldar talks a lot. He has so much to say. Like, he's constantly talking. It feels like they did up the individual villain story to match the sort of increase in the teen hero story. That is good. They just don't have the footage to support it. And it, I didn't expect to feel this way, but I'm suddenly like, yeah, they should never try this again. Like, if it's it's not monster suit actors... Please give me an yeah. actor who can say the lines. It's still a good Rita episode as far as her character. It's just a lot of choices of gibberish in a crystal ball or her back is turned at some pivotal moment or things like that. Yeah, it's just kind of uncomfortable because like once you see it, you can't unsee it. And it's true of like other footage that they've used too. Like I think in this episode, they use the same like nature transition for the Green Ranger, like that first fight or whatever. Mm-hmm. it's like the same shot of like Japanese hills. I'm <laughs> just like, this yeah. is weird. It's just weird. When she traps Tommy in her crystal ball, it's suddenly Barai in his hibernation. And then he wakes up and it's Barai. It's like, it just yeah. is. And it's, and yeah. it's like, this, this person does not look like Tommy, but okay, we'll go with it. But I guess like so much of that though, is like, because we literally just watched those episodes. Like True. I don't know, know that it would stand out as dramatically if we hadn't, but like, I do think it does stand out in particular because it feels like they're being so intentional and better. It's that episode one tone thing we were talking about with the footage that they're creating that whenever we do mm-hmm. jump to Japanese footage in this set, it's like, ooh, okay, we're somewhere else. This doesn't fit. This doesn't make sense. Okay. Yeah, it, it is a little bit more glaring, which it's just like, I don't know how to get around that except for like shooting a lot more, which they do eventually Which they do, do when but... they have more money too. So it's, it's yeah. I can't fault them for it. Tommy having the putty fight in the alley. There's something very important I have to ask you. All right. As he's walking into this alley, he is walking with two dudes who we never see again for the rest of the series. Correct. And yeah, it's insane because one of them is like a classic 90s jock and one of them is like a classic 90s nerd. And they're walking with Tommy who always looks like he's ready to go to karate practice. And it's like, what? Who is this? What happened five minutes before that? Do you have a theory? No, I don't. Here's the thing about Tommy's introduction. We don't meet him until this karate competition, but he's also the new kid at Angel Grove. So, like, everybody mm-hmm. knows that, I guess, like, this weekend he's moving into the school? And Angel Grove is a city of constantly morphing size. If Angel Grove is LA, like, anybody can go to any school. They just have to drive there. So, like, I guess it makes sense. But it's just weird because it's like, I guess Tommy doesn't have any friends. Like, he doesn't have any other friends. We don't see him in the school with other people. No. So it's like, I guess those were his friends from his old school but he's like saying bye forever and like going into an alleyway that's an interesting theory friends from his old school my my theory i'm gonna offer is that 
these two are like work for the student they're on the student council and like as part of their Mm. duties they're supposed to show new kids how to get places that's my theory and they're not friends at all and they let him go in an alley afterwards his apartment's down there i don't know just take a regular sidewalk i I have not wondered about their parents until this episode anyone's parents and now i'm suddenly (laughs) wondering about everyone's parents it's like where are they Are they concerned? I think they do do a very good job with Tommy as much as his like school life doesn't make sense is they really sell me on Tommy (laughs) Karate Master. This fight with the putties feels impressive even in a show where I've seen lots of human actors fight putties. Some of that is like you said Jason David Frank is a very talented martial artist. So good. And and very good at transferring that skill to screen which is a such a specific skill that is really discounted I think often in the world. Yeah because for example like Austin St. John is also a very accomplished martial artist, but he doesn't have the same kind of, like, gravitas, I don't think. I think when he's acting against Jason David Frank, he gets better, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, they, they push each other up in that way. <laughs> this this potty fight, though, does the, like, big climactic moment is that he picks up this very cheap-looking trash can lid and, like, frisbees it at this putty. And, and the putty's like, ooh, and it's all done in slow motion, so it looks really epic, but it's like, that's aluminum? <laughs> and... It just, like, I think if someone, like, you'd be like, oh, but it wouldn't hurt that bad if someone frisbeed a trash can lid at you. Yeah. Might knock the wind out of you. It was just a very funny moment to be, like, the big climax of the scene because it's, like, really slowed down. He's like, yeah. And then the part is like, oh, my God. Can we talk about the yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason David Frank's yeah is one of his two catchphrases. The other is saying the word empress. But his, his yeah is, like, so... I feel like it's very iconic mm-hmm. in and of itself. I feel like that's the sound I associate with, like, Power Ranger fighting. Yeah. His is very good. And I, it was weird because I didn't realize, like, oh, this is what I've been missing from the fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Specifically Tommy going, yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. That's what it is. I don't know. There's just something about Tommy that is immediately just, like, so, like, oh, wow, this is totally separate and different and a wonderful addition all at the same time. I love watching him in the fight scenes. So good. And like, this is going to be like a star of, of the current cast. This person is here for the longest amount of time. Um, and yeah. quite a bit of time. And I get it. I get why they want to keep him around and bring him back in the future. I have a couple more things this episode. One, okay. we first see the Green Ranger in American footage. This is a mistake for one reason. The American Dragon Shield. <laughs> True. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's it's like off center. It's foam, clearly. Yeah. Which yeah. cheap didn't have like I, I doubt it's metal in the Japanese footage. I suspect it's molded plastic and like that is now with 3D printers, oh that'd be so easy. But not then. So I get it. But like yeah. it just looks like a Halloween costume. Well, I think too, the the one in Japanese footage, if it's not molded plastic, if it is foam, it's at least affixed like mm-hmm. in the front in a way that the other one, Slides like the American version, is not. Because it's constantly moving. In the second episode, I believe it is, it is so off center that I was just like, why is no one like at least trying to attach it? But, you know, I don't know the logistics of getting in and out of these suits, but there's something going on. There's some reason why that one isn't fixed, at least so it's centered all the time. Yeah, it just looks really flimsy and cheap. The like lining of it looks like fabric that's sewn in, which I'm sure it is in some way, but like it it doesn't look like a shield. It looks like, I don't know, something, some pads you'd put on to be a baseball umpire. That's not actually right. But like, it it looks like pads, not a piece of armor. It doesn't have the same oomph. But luckily we have plenty of Japanese footage (laughs) where he looks great. One improvement, I know I said I I don't want to like constantly compare between the two sagas, but one thing I will call out, a storyline improvement. Okay. Which is in the first Barai episode, He's like beating them up and then for some reason just leaves and it's never explained. And this one, it's we don't see it because the footage doesn't exist, but we are told that the Power Rangers willingly t- left the fight because they realized they were outclassed and it makes way more sense. For sure. Good job making an improvement, Power Rangers. <laughs> but now the Green Rangers here, everything's bad. How Zordon's gone. How is our team going to deal with it? Should we take a little break and come back and talk about the other two episodes? Yeah, I think so. I think so.
episode 18, Green with Evil Part 2. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is my Green Ranger voice. That's like literally what Jason David Frank is doing. It's, I, his evil voice is so funny. It's so funny. The laugh is good. I think yeah. the laugh is good. When it's Tommy being a dick, we're diving in with this because this is the most important yeah. thing of this episode to me. It's like yeah. very, very problematic Disney villain that's gay coded. Like it's that. <laughs> it's it's like he's so sassy. He is. Oh, he's so mean to Kim. And I'm like, yes. About the weirdest stuff. He's like, oh, you care about other people? Okay, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> That could be a quote, except for that they wouldn't say fuck on the show. You know how HBO has recently acquired Degrassi? Yeah, I can't wait. Could HBO also acquire Mighty Morphin Power Rangers specifically? Just to do uh, only teen segments. Like, they don't even have to do the Power Ranger part. It's just, like, only school time or whatever it is. Like, I just want to know more about their inner lives. And I want it to be able to be, like, as accurate as possible to teenagers. If you want to do an impression of Evil Tommy, you just need to tilt your head slightly to the side. And then, like, chaotically nod as you're talking. And say everything with a tone like you're doing that classic seven-year-old bit where someone says something and you just say it back like, to them, you just say whatever they said back to them. That is Tommy. That is evil Tommy. It is like, oh, the whole time. You're right. That is him. And he's doing it very well. And it's perfect. I wouldn't want anything else. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's bad. Like, it's it's not good. Well, it's not good. But it's like, perfect at mm-hmm. the same time. Absolutely. And I think that's like why it works. It's like, I don't know why, but this is exactly what we needed. <laughs> Thank you, Jason David Frank, for this. And his voiceover acting, he commits so hard, which the rest of the he's so good. pretty, pretty hard too. But like, because he's doing this evil thing, it's, it's like an upgraded commitment. Even like, cause they even do some ADR stuff when he does that fight on the beach, which like makes sense cause you're on a beach and his ADR stuff. So good. We've done a lot of ADR, like, on this show. They ADR people all the time. There's there's a ton in this set of episodes of every character. <laughs> but his is so, so good. Like, I was just like, you're really, you're really doing it, dude. You're acting. It's very good stuff for me. It's so good. I hesitate to call what he's doing acting. That sounds very mean. But, <laughs> like, he's performing and it's everything I want. And it's a very consistent performance. Yes. It's almost like, what would be, like, an equivalent? Like, a... Something, like, kind of campy, like a Jason Statham, but Power Rangers. Yeah. God, he's, it's so, it's such a, it's the breath we needed. I have a question. What do you think Billy was doing to Alpha? Like, what was that? It's, he's, like, really down in the surgery. For the last episode, I am obsessed whenever CD-ROMs appear in things. Because yeah. it's always presented, if they bother to show it, it's always, like, this is the height of technology. <laughs> and him sliding the CD-ROM into, like, the thing in the back, and then Billy in the last episode should be like, I'm just gonna take this out. And that kind of works. But yeah, now he's having to get down and dirty in Alpha Circuitry, which I don't know why he understands. This is alien technology. I'm just like, why isn't he hooked up to, like, a laptop? Like, isn't this, like, a USB to USB situation? Like... Why do you have to take him apart? What hardware issue is he having? Isn't it all just software? It's a virus. That's a software issue. We're computer scientists. I don't know if that's true. But like maybe he's replacing stuff. I don't know. It's very weird. But Alpha does wake yeah. up and look at Billy and Trini and go, dude, do that. Which... <laughs> so No good. notes. No notes. <laughs> Perfect. And they're like, oh, they were like so relieved. They were like, oh, yes, he's back because he said this. So good. Alpha should have used his defensive protocols from that other episode on Tommy, but maybe he was a little overwhelmed. Maybe the virus shut them down. It is like a home invasion. So, you know, you don't know how you're going to act. They do not talk enough about the emotional trauma that Alpha goes through. Like, maybe Alpha's PTSD. <laughs> I love Alpha. He's so fun in this. We don't have a lot to talk about with Bulk and Skull in this episode, which, honestly, thank God, we don't have to talk about Fat Phobia for one week, uh, because they're just sort of peppered in in little <laughs> moments. It's all covered. Toxic masculinity. Beating them up. But it's like little peppers. But one thing I do want to talk about with Bulk and Skull is that we see uh-huh. the introduction of a hat that I'm pretty sure becomes standard wear for Skull. It has this question mark on it. I love this hat. Yeah, it's very, um, very fashion. I yeah, think. there's there's somewhat of this still like mod, which is like a weird way to describe Skull's fashion sense, but like it works so well, it's a great hat mm-hmm. and I love it. Yeah. I do love that Bulk and Skull have like a complete magic encounter with Tommy and tell no one. Yeah. They're just like so afraid. They're like, oh, this is a real bully. <laughs> 
It is the right amount of remembering that these are actors they're paying, so they might as well put them in episodes, but they don't really have time for them. I think the balance works out pretty well. One thing I do think is interesting is that, and I we haven't finished the Zero Ranger Green Warrior section yet. We haven't finished, so I don't know if this gets answered, but this was a question I had, like, because Barai seems to have magical powers, and we were like, mm-hmm. maybe he learned it from the fairies. Tommy also seems to have vaguely magical powers. But I think that's sort of more clearly from Rita or the sword. Yeah. I think it's from Rita because it's like green lightning from his eyes. But it's, I just, it's interesting, like these little parallels that I'm like, you don't have to even include this, but they're like, no, we're going to do it. Because how else will we do physical humiliation this episode? (laughs) They're not going to have Tommy like literally beat up non-ranger people. Like they're not going to do that. They do have Tommy wearing a lot of mesh. Do you think that has anything to do with it? I loved the mesh shirt. (laughs) I wrote it down. I was like living like I was like Tommy is so hot in his mesh shirt. And he is. It's again very gay. (laughs) Yes, but also. (laughs) Also very 90s. Also very 90s. The mesh, it was the 90s. But also the Venn diagram between like just being fashionable in a mesh shirt and then like being gay in a mesh shirt, hard to tell. It is very hard to tell. I thought it was interesting too that Jason is having such a hard time with this. Logic leaves the building for large parts of this episode. Like when they first bring up that they have not been like, oh, the Green Ranger must have destroyed the command center and he must be working with Rita. I was like, what is wrong with you? Like those aren't even- (laughs) It's like obvious. Like maybe, maybe Zach says that and Jason could say like, I don't know if we can assume that. He's a ranger. Like, and, and maybe that's something. But the fact that they're all like, we don't know, is very like, what What do you mean you don't know? The fact that they think these two horrible things are actually totally independent of each other, wild. <laughs> very wild. I do like that Jason seems genuinely troubled by the idea that someone could be a ranger and not be a good guy. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird very watered down version of Geki's like whole emotional mm-hmm. journey. They obviously had to respond to that footage. Like Geki's missing mm-hmm. from any fights or human in them and refusing to participate. He's a con- conscientious objector. But yeah, he's also like having issues with Zordon. Like he's like, why didn't Zordon tell us about this? Like he's actually having the most Power Rangers version of Geki's problems aside from the parent part. But he's more like, how did I not know about this? How was I not told? It's a good question. And I'm glad that he's the one who's asking it. Because like, he's as the, the true believer, leader. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do think Jason functions in a very interesting way in this series of episodes. And I definitely want to talk about it more with his conversation with Tommy in the next episode too. Mm-hmm. how he seems to feel about being a Power Ranger and also Zordon. It's a perspective, which I never expected mm-hmm. from Jason. He's really, he's like, I am the leader of this team and this is important to me and this is part of my identity. Yes. Someone else who gets a new perspective that we teased earlier is Zach, who is suddenly like team mom and I love it. <laughs> it's so weird because like Trini was team mom for so long, but now she's so sad about Zordon. They're all so sad about Zordon. Which I get as like, they are children. It's true. Like, he is the one adult that they have to rely on. Um, Yes. And something unprecedented in their Power Rangers journey is happening. And they don't have the person who's explained everything else about their Power Rangers journey. It's true. It's true. But they are just so devastated. But yeah, Zach, like, really takes that mantle of, like, well, (laughs) let's figure this out together, guys. And it's not just, like, he's the sweet one. He's, like, managing, but with emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. It's, like, that maternal energy which i love yeah i also think is very well suited to the actor yeah i don't know if he's had so many lines like in like a chunk of episodes but he does have so much that he's doing and he's doing it well yeah i feel like we sold him short a little bit and i will apologize for that because i think he's very good in this set and it might just be that he never had enough to do or he had like weird things that he had to do things that didn't make sense I seem to have written down, does Tommy want to fuck Rita? Is that something we need to talk about or should I just leave it there? I mean, it's a it's an open question. I think on some level, he does, for yeah. sure. And yeah. she does too. I think it's a mutual thing. There is something very sexual about Tommy's evil energy. I don't know what else to do with it than assume that part of the spell is to, it's making him a little horny for Rita. I think so, because if I remember correctly, like, Tommy, White Ranger Tommy, like, good Tommy, totally asexual being. He's very platonically dating Kimberly. There is, yeah. (laughs) I can't wait until we talk about their breakup, but anyway. 
That's so far away. It is. It is. I do wonder, since we're talking about Tommy's, like, spell situation, he is, like, going to school every day. Yeah, Billy and Trini are not. They're skipping. But, yes, he, yeah. he does seem to be going to school and having to live his life and lay low. I assume this is to keep his identity a secret, question mark? I guess. But I just wonder what his school performance is like. You know, he's new into the school. He's also under the influence of this spell that, as we've said, makes him a little horny. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, what? How are you doing, bud? Are you doing assignments? He's getting good grades because he's cheating because he's so evil. Oh, he maybe a really dark version of this, like the gritty, dark, grim, dark reboot is that he is like now sleeping with all the teachers (gasps) to get. Yeah. Wow. That is really dark. I'm just saying like he does. He's like, I'm not doing school, but I will sleep with all the teachers to make my grades. Oh, my God. That makes me feel icky. I know, but it's like the evil spell. Like, how evil is evil? It's like, is this too evil? All right, we'll back it off. Oh, God. What is happening in that school? What is happening in that school in general? Generally, yeah. Like, in the canon of the show, I'm not sure what's going on. I don't feel good about that educational institution. Goldar. There's a lot of Goldar yes. in these episodes. And he talks so much. He talks so much. That's one, which I definitely noticed because of our Jew Ranger journey. But, like, what? Yeah. His perspective is very interesting to me in these episodes. Okay. What it is, is I think where up to now, he has been very minion. He now seems more uh-huh. general. Oh, yeah. He he will listen to Rita's orders, but he's doing a lot more tactical thinking of his own. He loves the idea of the Green Ranger to like help them. But then also... Mm-hmm. We see this in the next episode, too, with his encounters with Jason. Like, he he seems to have a lot of his own feelings and his own, like, perspective as well, which I didn't expect for him. I can't tell if he likes Tommy. Like, I can, I, it's, it's clear that he likes the having the Green Ranger as a, like, piece on the battlefield. But it sort of feels like he doesn't like Tommy very much, which I find interesting. They feel like rivals. And I like that putting him in that position. He just like, he suddenly seems like a way more of a character than he did for the first 16 episodes of the show. That's how I remember Goldar as being more of like a a general. So basically what we're saying here is that we don't remember any of Power Rangers pre-Tommy. Like we really don't. Oops. I remember Food (laughs) Fight. It's an evolution for his character. That's going to make another evolution eventually and become kind of stupid. But like right now he is like very intimidating. Uh, yeah, I do. I sense like a, a kind of like a rivalry. Like he enjoys that like the Green Ranger is powerful and really giving them a leg up. But he does not like that Green Ranger is like Rita's new favorite thing. Absolutely. He's like, no, that should be me. I'm curious if that plays more in the next couple episodes because it does feel like they're laying the, the tracks for it. For sure. In this episode's edition of I Can't Believe I Never Noticed That Shot, which is insane and makes sense from G-Ranger. There is a shot of the like mm-hmm. parade Bandora song at one point and everyone's <laughs> holding an instrument and it's really like this just brushed right by me that they're all holding musical instruments in these shots. You know it's like weird because like you you don't know what their daily lives are like so I guess like as kids or even like when I was watching them before like five years ago like you were just like yeah sure. It, it doesn't hit unless you know what you're looking for and it's so fun when you do to see those like they're all holding instruments i wouldn't have noticed (laughs) no i wouldn't have either this episode has an amazing amazing line please are you ready for it yeah yeah i think you know what it is but it's well excuse me for living (laughs) oh my god iconic (laughs) so good i love it it's such a comeback tommy like we said is constantly harassing kimberly for caring about other people and trying to make (laughs) friends And she's just like, what the hell? (laughs) What's wrong with you? I'm just a person. That's such a good moment. So good. I love this episode. This was probably my favorite of the three. I don't know why. It just was. (laughs) There's a lot going on. There's the mesh shirt. There's Jason really acting a lot. Uh Uh-huh. In a good way. (laughs) He's really doing it. And it's just nice. Oh, Rita, the Rita stand-in happens, which is not a good moment. No, um, no, but it's quick. Yeah. Not it's quick very enough. Short. No, <laughs> not at all. It really shouldn't have happened. I feel like they could have, like, taken a shot from, like, any other episode where she's on top of a building and it would have yeah. been fine, but they did not do that. <laughs> what are we going to do about Rita? Should we move on to Green with Evil Part 3? Let's do it. The premiere of Scorpina, who doesn't matter, and we really don't have to talk about her because she doesn't matter. <laughs> 
Which is so upsetting because Lammy is so cool. I feel okay saying this because I don't think this is a suffer by a comparison. I think Scorpina just weirdly is irrelevant. Yeah. It's so wild that they introduce her in the middle of this. That's how it feels to me. I feel like they could have maybe edited around her. I don't know. I feel like they probably could have. Like, they spend a lot of time with that rolling rock situation. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, we don't even need this. None of that is even important. But then again, like, I think they're still trying to figure out, even this late in the game, they're still trying to figure out, like, what footage to use and what footage to generate themselves. Absolutely. And we do know that the the Lammy stuff is a lot of humans, a lot of kids, a lot of dinosaur eggs, things that aren't part of our story here, all I think fairly. So I I do sort of understand why they had to suddenly explain Scorpina's presence, but couldn't really use any of what they had. But it does feel like a sort of energy suck as opposed to Lamy feeling like a fun new element. Yeah, Lamy was so cool and fun. And we're like, wow, there's like a hierarchy here, special agent. And like Scorpina is just like, that's my pal. And I'm gonna invite her. She summons her forth with like a spell that even it sounds like the actor didn't believe in because <laughs> she says from yeah. deep inside an evil place bring forth a villainess to face the power rangers and like the way the line is delivered is so funny because it really feels like the actress is like i don't know how to sell this it's true i will say though i feel like the dub for scorpina is better it's better than the dub for rita like i think it's really good especially her first like big line i was like oh that actually really worked yeah it's like oh i wonder if they got an an actress who is like super familiar with like dubbing other stuff yeah i it definitely feels right or if they were just more intentional about the line i don't know what it is but it works yeah so it's like she's not distracting in that way but it's also like why is she here generally you want to know more especially because her design's very cool but mm-hmm. it is also like do i need to know more now i'm not really sure how much time has passed between jason being trapped in the dark dimension but ernie has no sense of urgency about the fact that a teenager is missing, which seems like it should be one of his big priorities. Ernie should be like another adult, but I feel like oftentimes he's just like a kid who runs a business. Yeah, which is a sort of fantasy of this type of media, I think. There's so many insane lines of dialogue in this episode. Yes. Here are some of my favorites. Okay. Zordon mentioned the Green Ranger, so he's probably involved in all of this. <laughs> one, once again, what... The, probably like you needed zordon to remind you that the green ranger existed in one of his brief flash in moments to what yeah that was one yep when green ranger shows up in the dark dimension and is fighting jason <laughs> jason's like how could you align with rita she's evil what she says with like an extreme bad amount and tommy goes yeah and so am yeah. i and it's so good Yes, I have that one written down. It's like, yes. So good. So good. And then my other favorite was at the end of the episode, Zach finally like catches up to the premise of the five episode thing and goes, can you believe our enemy this time is another ranger? And it's like, this is episode three, Zachary. Like, <laughs> Yeah. He's been busy doing a lot of emotional labor. That's true. Okay. And, and catching people in lies. No man is going to yeah. lie to his friend. Nope. Oh, we do see some classic Zack dance fighting in this episode, but it's achieved by speeding up the camera footage and looks truly like garbage. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of good Jason fighting in this episode and good Green Ranger good. fighting. And so that mm-hmm. Zack thing really stood out as like, this is bad. This is real bad looking. Well, it doesn't help that they like change the music when every no. time Zack is... I hate, I, I hate it. that music. In this time too, it like cuts to Kimberly doing some fighting still with that music because then it cuts back to Zack and it's like, you just didn't need this weird hip hop riff. We didn't really even need it, but I could understand using it in like the first few episodes to mm-hmm. like establish like he's a dance fighter. And then never again. We don't really ever need it ever again but we are continuing to get it for reasons i only really have one like big overall discussion point for this episode because i think we've covered most of it but what is zordon like it occurred to me that like i have an answer in my brain but at this point using purely the text do we have any idea like what zordon is or how he works no and i like knowing what i know about the feature film we see what's inside the tube in the feature film 
Yes. And so I know that Zordon is like some man or, well, a humanoid. Was at thing. one point a human. I believe the eventual thing that gets told is that he was a person uh-huh. who was a warrior, an alien warrior from another planet, Eltar, and was trapped inside a time warp, I believe is what they call it. Yes. And can only manifest now in this tube. Right. And like outside of the tube, he is like dying because he's like time is catching up for him, like basically. But we don't know any of that. And so based off of this, he's just like a non-material entity that can almost like a stream. Yeah, that was the implication I got towards the end. Is that like, is are, are what they trying to imply here that... Zordon is just somewhere else and is streamed into this tube by the electronics of the command center. Like, are we meant to believe at this point that, like, Zordon the person exists somewhere out in space? I didn't get that even. I thought he's like a non-physical entity. Like, his energy or whatever he is can be so many other places. Okay. But he chooses to be in the command center. That makes sense. By... He's held there. He wants to, like, he wants to be there. Like, he wants to be in the command center. But, like, because of whatever the Green Raider did, he was, like, in some other dimension or Mm. space. And he's trying to get back to where he's supposed to be. Almost like if you think of, like, Digimon. Okay. (laughs) I always want to think about Digimon. I love Digimon. That should be a spinoff podcast now. We've connected them. In the Digimon movie, which is, like... Three Digimon. Three Japanese Digimon movies spliced together. Yes. But in one of those films, like at the end, the the problem is like one of the one of, uh, Digimon gets like trapped in like it has like a computer virus and like yeah. manifests weirdly and like can be all over the internet. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's like traveling from place to place. It's almost like I'm visualizing that for Zordon and he's like trying to get back to the command center, but because of everything that the Green Ranger did, he can't get back there and he keeps getting like relegated to other spaces in like the quote unquote digital world. Interesting. Um, For lack of any other term that would be more appropriate. I don't know. (laughs) That's what I've got. The word Alpha keeps using when he's talking about bringing him back is we need to find Zordon, which yeah, they can be like, where is he? And then at one point he has a line where he's like, poor Zordon, he's out there somewhere. And it's like, I don't know. It just really took me. I was like, what is the implication? Because they've never explained it. Like, what is the implication of what this man is supposed to be? And I think you're right. Not streaming from somewhere weird in space, but he is sort of like a being of energy who's now floating out there in the ether who needs to be restored. But like, it was very confusing. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like some weird technology shit, basically. And it's never fully explained. But yeah, it's like almost like he can't get back to his home signal or whatever because of technology reasons. Besides the constantly trying the communicators, even though we know they don't work, the other thing that happens a million times that I just had no interest in was Zordon popping in to say three words. It was like, I don't need this. <laughs> Is he back or not? <laughs> like, <laughs> like if I were a ranger, I'd be like, just like, just leave until you're like back for real. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't. We get it. They don't have Zordon's help this time. Why does he need to keep tapping yeah. in? I feel like it also would have been more impactful, like, if that tube was just, like, dark. Yeah. But that maybe is too scary. Maybe. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah, ooh, especially if they changed the lighting. That's probably too much work. They don't have any money. Too much. Maybe they could have avoided paying that actor or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although maybe his deal meant Whatever. he had to get paid anyway. I have a really important mm-hmm. question for you. The Megazord is a solar vehicle. I love green energy. <laughs> How did this not solve climate change? <laughs> I know! How did we not all watch this show and be like, you mean a solar vehicle can do that? It's because of oil lobbies, but um, oh. like we know why. We do know we think why. Exxon was like really anti-Power Rangers because of this one line of dialogue? Absolutely. They were like, my child will never watch Power Rangers as long as I work for Enron. I don't know. It's All of those things are the same. But yeah, no, it's it's green energy, but that's not how solar power works. Like you can't just like cause an eclipse and then like suddenly the the energy is stored. Like I manage yeah. I imagine the batteries that the Megazord and all of the other Zords that make up the Megazord are powered by have like probably a pretty big capacity. Yeah, like it would eventually drain, but then also I don't think we've ever seen the Megazord fight at night. So maybe they do need some amount of like sunlight coming in to keep themselves going bad design if that's the case but maybe do you think it's like a superman thing you know the yellow sun powering him up. i think he yeah. can store some of it too i don't know it doesn't really make any sense to me 
Yeah. Also, moonlight is just sunlight being reflected on the earth. So depending on how sensitive the instruments are, like our solar panels obviously can't really generate power from that, but can the Megazord? It's so fancy. These are all really good questions. Someone write a paper. <laughs> Do an <a> investigation. <laughs> but you know, like the straw man argument is that like what kind of pollution was generated to create the panels and the batteries that power... Well, it was generated on another planet, right? I know, but pollution is pollution. (laughs) I don't care about other planets. I live on this one. (laughs) This is where the truth of my nationalism and xenophobia comes out. It's really just your Earth-centric viewpoint. I can't stand it. Yeah, it's really exhausting for everyone, but I'm not going to change. We spend so much time with Goldar taunting Jason. Oh, yeah. Literally... An episode and a half uh-huh. of Goldar taunting Jason. And he's like, just like playing with him, basically. Like, it's a very sadistic. And then the Green Raider shows up and Rita's like, actually, I want the Green Raider to do this. Goldar, go do something else. So the Green Raider has like a little bit of fun. He like does a little bit of taunting where we get our favorite line that we talked about. Yeah. Um, she's evil. And yeah, so am I. Yes, yeah, so um, am I. And then because of reasons, of course, Jason escapes and Goldar just like lays in to to the Green Ranger. Like, I can't believe you. You had more than enough time to destroy Jason. Yeah. And it's like, Goldar, you had more than enough time. <laughs> what is this? It is the very classic, like, shut up and kill the person while you have the chance. Super villain from children's media mistake. But also when Goldar does get in, he specifically says like, this is a reward to me that I get to torture you for a while. Yeah. And it's like, well, Goldar, the reason why Jason is even alive for this to happen is because you were a little overzealous with your fun. Absolutely. That really bugged me. I was like, that's not his fault. I have one last little thing to point out. And then we can maybe talk about like how we're feeling about Green with Evil so far. Okay, sure. Just a fun little error. At one point, Goldar is like, in the sequence where Kimberly and Zach are like, wait, I think Tommy lied. We have to go chase him down. Goldar is the one who tells Rita, like his voice, he's not in the scene. His voice is like, yes. Kim is on to him. Um, that's my really bad <laughs> Goldar impression. And Goldar is in the dark dimension taunting Jason. So inconsistent. I noticed that as well. And I was like, is is Goldar like omniscient? Like what is happening? Yeah, how does Goldar know also? And then Rita's like, oh, I should look in my telescope and check in on that. Thank you, Goldar. And it's like, wait, wait, what was Rita yeah, doing? Yeah, it would make more difference if like Squat or Bebu or like whoever it was, one of those guys were like, hey, look at what Kim's saying. Why was it Goldar? Why are they so hyper-focused on Goldar all of a sudden? They're suddenly like, Goldar's so cool. Yeah. Well, it, it, I think it's also very weird because, like, we just learned that Goldar is nonverbal because we didn't realize it before. Because we never noticed because we're horrible people. Right. We just noticed that Gryphazar is nonverbal. And, like, Lammy is really upset about it and wants to restore his voice or give him a voice. I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway, the point is... He's nonverbal, but then we find that out in the same chunk of episodes. But then in this version of those chunk of episodes, he is like the most vocal antagonist. I have a theory, which is that I think they had the exact Goldar suit, which they don't have many of. So they Mm -hmm. could use Goldar in footage they were shooting. And that's not true of Lammy. That's not true of Rita. Maybe it's not true of the rest of the gang. And it's certainly been not true of monsters. So, like, I suspect they leaned on Goldar because there was so much generated footage in general in this set of episodes that he was the monster they could use very easily. Yeah, that's probably true. Like, it's logistically, like, the best option. Yeah, so then he became an elevated character everywhere else, too. You're right. That's probably it. But it's just bizarre. I agree. You're not wrong. (laughs) Making him a nonverbal character the most vocal character. What are you going to do? Someone's got to talk to Rita. It's not going to be, what, what, Babu? Are you crazy? <laughs> it's it's interesting because it's like problems and the challenges that the series has to like overcome to be a series mm-hmm. are crazy. Like this is more than most TV shows ever face, I think. I think that's like fair to say. That's actually a really good segue into like my feelings. Like if we're talking about how am I feeling about Green with Evil so far? I am very impressed by how epic it ends up feeling, considering Mm -hmm. that the Japanese footage, I think is almost useless to them (laughs) in this set of episodes. It is almost a problem to be worked around 
that the only footage we have of the Rangers fighting right now is this little shot with Scorpina or with Lammy. It's this little moment with the Megazord, you know, Dijushin being sentient. And so like, how do we use that with only four Rangers who were in the fight before? And the, the Rita shots are never what they really want to be able to dub it. So like, I am very impressed with that. They're creating a very epic feeling story that the villains are a huge part of Mm -hmm. with that handicap. I agree because it's like at every turn, they have all these other obstacles that they're working around and some things are more successful than others. Some choices, like I don't think I would make, but I live in a different world. It's like been roughly 25 years since all of this happened. So like I have other things that are in my brain that I can think of. And I think for the first time in this chunk of episodes, they really have to think about these episodes, not as, okay, we'll put these pieces here and then fill in the rest. It's more like, oh, we're writing these episodes. Mm -hmm. We're fully generating what this is going to be. And it's good. Yeah. You know, like this is a show. If there's a lesson to me from these episodes, it's that vibes are very powerful. (laughs) Because as we discussed, like a lot of the individual elements are kind of clunky. They kind of don't quite click. It doesn't really work. And like the story is mostly the same beat over and over and over. But like Mm -hmm. somehow it is energetically feeling epic and good and exciting and that is carrying me through this episode being like these are really epic and good and exciting yeah like this cast is taking this seriously they're like wow the rangers are experiencing a problem that they've never had to experience before and we're all going to be on the same page about this like Mm -hmm. this is serious so we're going to take it seriously and that carries through i totally buy that these kids are not sure what they're going to do. You know, they're making it up as they go. And it feels good. Like, I mean, it feels momentous. We've talked before about, like, are the different approaches they seem to take to adaptations where some it's like very piecemeal or in some it's like a monster stuck onto another episode. They have nothing to do with each other. And when we had that conversation, we talked about how like the thing that always works the best is when it feels like they've really organically built a story and merged the footage into it. And, Mm -hmm. and it's their story that they're getting to create with their characters, but they're using the footage to sort of supplement it. And like, that feels like what we have here. This is not Bri, the secret brother who's woken up for millions of years. This is a new kid comes to town and is put under a spell. And it's a very different story because of that. But they're creating that story on their own as they go using their characters and then using the footage to be the moments of action as they need. And that's working. Well, and and that's what I kind of think the intention of the adaptation was supposed to be. Like, if we think back to like Stan Lee's intention of like how we're going to like adapt this, he was really only looking at like, let's take this action footage and then we'll make the rest. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what it's supposed to be. They get into trouble when they try to like take more than just the action footage. And use that to inform their story. Because they literally can't take anything else but fight scenes from these episodes. And even the fight scenes themselves are really limited because Geki and and all of those other things. Yeah, there's a lot of humans running around them. Yeah, they have to like have very independent stories with these characters. And I'm loving it. It's to their benefit. (laughs) The one thing that I do want to say as a sort of wrap up that I was most surprised about Mm -hmm. revisiting these episodes is like, I remember the Dragon Dagger and Dragon Zord being like always there. And we are now mm. halfway through G-Ranger, more than halfway through Green with Evil, and like not a peep of of the da 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 da. da. We all remember it. Um, haven't heard <laughs> yes. it once. Haven't heard it once. So I'm I'm wondering at the end of Green with Evil, because I know there's a period of time where Tommy's like, I don't want to be bad, but I have to be. When does that start? Is that I don't know, like, man. Is that part of this five parter? Is that a different thing? Only one way to find out, and that's for everyone to come back and join us for the rest of our journey. I don't want I want to know now. I don't want to wait. I'm so excited to continue our Green Ranger journey as well and see not even just how Tommy comes to join the team, but all the other bumps and hiccups along the way of both Tommy and Barai as the back of half of the season goes. Cause I don't think in Zoo Ranger what we're gonna see is as simple as, and then Barrage is just part of the team. And it'll be interesting to see how they adapt that in Power Rangers, where I think that's what they want to try to do. Well, because like I just said, like, I, I don't really remember how this all shakes out. I feel like the Green Ranger was a part of this for longer. So I'm excited to see how this all works. 
we are going to find out. But that's going to be in future episodes. So before we mm-hmm. wind down today, uh, Natalie, who was your favorite ranger in this section? I think there's a lot of potential picks. There are, because they were all doing a lot of stuff, except for Trini. But she is still great. Let's see. Who's my favorite? I'm going to say Tommy was my favorite ranger. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, why not? Is that allowed? He's a green ranger. I can't believe our enemy this time is another ranger. He, I mean, he's just doing so much. He's so cool. He's so good at karate. And his evil laugh, I love it. Yeah, I think Tommy is a clear pick if we allow him. And I don't see why we shouldn't allow him. So... Tommy's a great choice. I am really conflicted between everyone else. I want to give Jason a little nod for thinking critically about what Zordon's told them, because I like it when people challenge Mm -hmm. authority. And I want to give Kimberly a little nod for saying, excuse me for living. But I think my favorite ranger in this section is Zack. He really feels like he is coming into himself as a character. I love his kindness. And I like the way he steps up in moments when Jason isn't there. I think that's a good role for him. He really is experiencing a new wave of responsibility. More Walter Jones, more Zack. That's my Yes. We should have had more all along. So that is going to do it for episode 10. Thank you for sticking with us through 10 episodes. We were talking before we hit record about how this feels like a sort of milestone of like, oh, we're really doing a podcast. We did 10 episodes of it. So thank you for being along for the ride. It's been really fun and I hope we keep going forward. This is, like we said, episode two of our Green Ranger saga. But next week, we are going to take a little intermission from watching the episodes as Natalie takes us on a deep dive through the iconic memories we keep on talking about through how people reacted to this moment and sort of why it stands out as such a like big deal for the series yeah i mean tommy the green ranger the evil green ranger he's an icon and i mean if you don't know anything about power rangers you know either one of two things you know about kimberly or you know about tommy and i'm gonna get into that i'm gonna get into exactly why and in fact kimberly and tommy i feel like their relationship we remember it for reasons I'm so excited to talk about all that. And then we'll be back in the episodes after that to finish up G-Ranger and finish up the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers episodes and, you know, talk about them. But yeah, that is going to come up a little bit later. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram at teachmesentai, tumblr.com slash teachmesentai. And you can always support the show at patreon.com slash teachmesentai. Rate, review, you know, all the podcast stuff. And if you want to get in touch with us for any sort of more detailed correspondence, you can always reach out to us at our email, teachmesentai at gmail.com. Please give us a shout. It'll be fun. But before we go, I have a very important question, John. Yeah. If you were given a more for today... What color ranger would you be? It's red and it's red and like I'm wearing pajama pants still, which are also red. So it's like a very like Jason in this set of episodes where like head to toe, red, red, red. I love that. What about you? You know, I didn't plan this. You're going to think that I planned this, but I didn't. I am wearing green today. Oh my God. I'm wearing a lot of green. We are bitter rivals. I know. Or are we? We're secret siblings. (laughs) Could be. So that's where we're at. John's red. I'm green. And so appropriate. Teach me Sentai. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with that deep dive. And until then, may the power protect you. Bye. Teach Me Sentai is produced and hosted by Natalie Bridgman and John McDonough. Our incredible music is by Christopher Bridgman and our wonderful podcast art is by Yvonne14. You can find their work on Twitter at E-A-V-O-N 14 or on Instagram at Yvonne.14.art. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash teachmesentai and new episodes come out every other Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.